Welcome to our podcast today. I'm very excited, particularly about today's podcast, because the first few we were interviewing people within our organization, and this is the first time we are branching out to talk to somebody that I do not know. So I'm going to have a lot of questions. I'm going to learn a lot. And um, yeah, Amanda's going to start us off as always. Let's go. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> so today we have the lovely Jo Bell from... Sir Charles Gardner Hospital, and she is a clinical nurse specialist consultant <laughs> at the Liver Clinic. So that's a big mouthful. But Jo has been working there for 20 years, and there's nothing she doesn't know about hepatitis B and how to treat it. So welcome, Jo. Oh, welcome thank you very today. much. Yeah. I'm not quite sure about nothing I need to. <laughs> I, you know everything. Know. I would talk you up. Talk sure. <laughs> So tell us a little bit, before we get started yeah. about, you know, the hepatitis and what have you, but about yourself, like how did you get into it, uh, where are you from, yeah. anything like that. Um, I'm from a very small country town called Kalingri, there's about 200 people, um, oh. and a tiny school. I did my primary school there and then went to boarding school, and then after that I decided to do my nursing training. My mum's a nurse, so that might have been some inspiration for yeah. me. Uh, and then I finished my nursing and worked at Royal Perth and travelled overseas and have worked at Charlie's for some years now. And I've always sort of drifted into the area of liver health because I find it fascinating. Mm, right. And your children or...? Yeah, I've got yeah. one child, Kate. Yeah. She's 10. I'm married to Scott and we've just <laughs> built a new house, which oh, is lovely. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm also a trained psychotherapist and counsellor. Ah, so I yeah. retrained, oh, I trained about uh, 15 years ago. So I do that as well as my nursing job. Right. Do, do you use the psychotherapy yeah. during your nursing? I do all yeah. the time. That's one of the reasons I did it because I realised that I there was a lot of a big psychological component with looking after people with hepatitis. Mm -hmm. So I thought I just needed to update my counselling skills, and I did that, and then I enjoyed it so much that I did a, a, my full training. Oh, fantastic! In that. Yeah. yeah. And so, and what sort of, without going into any personal mm. either, but what sort of major issues did that? people with hepatitis face psychologically? I think there's a lot of stigma still, as much as we've tried to break it down, a lot of discrimination. I think people feel a lot of shame about mm. it. So I spend a lot of my time like um, just talking to people, treating them in a way that destigmatizes, educating, and really just trying to break down those some of those commonly held beliefs about hepatitis. Mm. Where do you think that comes from? Um, I think it's um, a lack of knowledge of you know the general public and people. I just think bloodborne viruses, in a way, um, do get naturally aligned with some behaviours that and and um, people make judgments that they shouldn't so um, yeah it, as I said education is a really big part of my role yeah do you think that that's changing over time like the stigma and discrimination um, do you think it's sort of I think it's lessening but I think if you talk to people most of them uh, will feel they they judge themselves and they also yeah. think that other people judge them yeah. there's still a lot of that yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure of the reasons because I think we are trying to change, mm. but I think behaviours change slowly. Yeah, yeah, it does take a long time. Yeah. I find that within my work with mm. education and there's so many myths and misunderstandings, in, yes. you know, about viruses and where they come from. It's sort of like mm. an unknown. I think that the 
I think things are changing though with, I know coronavirus and mm. what have you is obviously not a bloodborne virus, but mm. it's raising the profile of different viruses, it is. isn't it? it <laughs> so is, people, yeah. you know, are learning more as we go along mm. about viruses and it's different types and it's just another health issue. I think so, yeah. yeah. And I do try and um, make it into, particularly with Hep B, like a, a sort of a chronic disease that you have to manage. Mm. I mean, one day we'd obviously like to cure it, but because we can't at the moment, I just try and make it part, like incorporate it into people's everyday life and like really like kind of normalise it in a way for them. That's yeah. the way that I approach it. Yeah. And also recognising that it is big for the person. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the complexities with um, the people that you work with, mm -hmm. Is sort of the health issues the last thing on their list that um, they want to deal with? It, it depends on the person. Some mm. people are very um, into looking after their health and they think that uh, it is important to focus on that. And other people, as you say, do have different priorities. Mm. And I've quickly got to work out where the, the hepatitis sits in their mm. level, in their kind of cascade of priorities. And then I will, like, um, target it accordingly. But I will, like, elevate it for them if I feel that they're not, you know, like if people aren't um, taking it seriously enough to take their medications, then I need to make it more of a priority for them because mm. that's like a life life or death situation. Mm. If people need antivirals and they're not taking them, then I, I have to say this is important and, mm. you know, stress that. Yeah. It's quite difficult though yeah. it's an asymptomatic disease. So it is, yeah. So without feeling anything, you're not in any pain yeah. really. But you're yeah. trying to prioritise that for somebody. Yes, it's it is difficult, difficult, but thing to do. we do, you know, you, that's, you do have to, you know, look at graphical representations mm -hmm. and I take them through, might show them a picture of a liver, I might show mm, them good. someone, oh, yeah. pictures of people with cirrhosis. I don't scare them, but I mm. certainly present them with what I feel is a realistic picture. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. absolutely. And people normally come on board when they, when you talk them mm. through that. It's usually just ignorance or a lack of mm. knowledge. Yeah. One, one of the key messages that I have is that if people do have hepatitis B, mm. sometimes they don't need medication yes. and sometimes mm. they do. Yeah. But you don't know when the medication starts unless you get yourself that's right. regularly. Yeah. Now that monitoring, it's called, is, is so vital mm. and that's one of the key messages that we try and get across, you know. Mm. So if people do have to go on to medication, are there any side effects or anything There's like very that? few with the antivirals we use. They might get a little bit of tiredness, maybe some um, nausea, but most medications have those side effects. Mm. Um, I sort of like say to them, it's you know, equivalent of maybe taking a blood pressure tablet every day. And I use a s simple analogies of like, you know, there's kind of like some inflammation. Let's think of it as like a little bit of a fire in your liver. We're just giving this tablet every day that dampens down mm. that inflammatory response and it stops further damage in your mm. liver. So, so if, if people are still on medication mm -hmm. and it's dampening it down, yes. can they still pass it on? Uh, yes, they can. It's They're less likely if their viral load is lower, mm -hmm. but they can still pass it on. So we do need to educate them about, um, you know, sexual practices and, you know, any, any blood-borne activities or anything that may... Um, where the virus mm. may transmit, yeah. But if their family gets vaccinated? They, there shouldn't be any risk there. Yeah, yep. yeah. so vaccination stops any risk? It, sh it, it does, yes. Yeah. 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 So all the family members, you know, must be vaccinated. Yeah. Do you sort of deal with that? Like if one person has 
pet bee, do you then? Yeah, I do. We do. We do educate. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we do yeah. that in the clinic, and but most of the time, a lot of that's been done already by by, by public health and yeah. GPs. But you know, yeah. we're again, we're always checking for that. Yeah. yeah. And does does hepatitis B affect? mental health or the medication effect if someone's got a mental a pre-existing yeah. mental health does does the medication yes there is a big interplay i think sometimes if people have more serious psychiatric um uh, illnesses such as schizophrenia or you know delusional disorders sometimes they don't want to take tablets so they, they, we we do have some people like that that we have to work very closely with the mental health um you know units with yeah yeah I can and imagine. and some people just regardless of whether they have a mental health issue just don't like to take a tablet every day it's a mm. reminder for them yeah so we do a lot of work around that yeah that um you know you are you are protecting yourself from you know, perhaps developing cancer and you keeping your liver in a better state um, mm. by taking this tablet. But I do understand it's hard. Mm. So a lot of people are choosing to go to their G trained GPs mm -hmm. and hepatitis B um, because it's easier than the hospital yeah. system. Mm -hmm. Do you... Um, so with your role in the people that you see are mm -hmm. they more advanced liver stages? not necessarily oh, okay. no we get referrals from gps and it might be people who just have a very low viral load and even normal liver function but they do it we do an initial assessment and we they're the people we, maybe we call in immune control mm. uh, where the body is controlling the virus and it's not causing too much inflammation in the liver mm. and we would just monitor them maybe yearly if right. they're under screening yeah. age yeah or six monthly if they're over the ages where we screen. Under screening age, what's that? Um, well, for um, Asian males, it's 40 years of age and Asian females, 50, and most other people, 50. Um, African, um, people from Africa, we screen from 20 years every six right. months. Why yeah. is that? They sometimes have a more virulent form of the virus and right. can incur damage earlier. Yeah. yeah, right. Because that's the big difference, 20 to 50, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is. But we do know that they seem to pro progress a little bit quicker yeah. or can progress quicker. Yeah. Does lifestyle choices progress it quicker? Um, yeah, if, you have, if people drink alcohol or maybe, you know, have diabetes, they could be more predisposed to fibrosing their liver quicker. Mm. So we, we have a look at all their comorbidities or other illnesses mm. and we'll take that into account. Yeah. Yeah. So there is certain things that that will you know make the liver scar up quicker. Yeah. So do you think that in Perth that you're reaching everybody? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. And yeah. that's where we like to work with community agencies. Um, I think there sometimes people just don't like to come to the hospital. It's like a scary place for lots of um, you know different cultural groups. Mm -hmm. So um, and also there is a, sometimes people just don't want to address certain health issues. I understand mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well they may not even know. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot of reasons why yeah. people don't access care. Yeah. But we certainly try and make it a place where they feel welcome, when very non-judgmental. Um, you know, we really try and listen to people and make it a warm and welcoming place as much as a hospital can be. Mm. Do you um, use interpreters or anything? Yes, we like do. That? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's been an issue. We've yeah. in the community we've found that people yeah. have Hep B, mm. and they're linked into a not your hospital, but yeah. a hospital. Yeah. And they still don't understand what's going on. Mm. And I, you know, we, we then get interpreters in and explain it. Mm. But 
I think sometimes there's a gap or depending on where they go or who they see yeah. on the day or mm. there seems to be a bit of a gap there sometimes. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know how that gets addressed because whether they choose not to understand it or yeah. they're overwhelmed by being mm. in a medical situation. Yes. You it's know? probably a combination. Yeah. If, if people can't, the English isn't their first language, no. we always um, use interpreters, but it's often telephone interpreters yeah. that are not necessarily on site. Mm. We use an on site interpreter for the first visit. Right. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes there's family members there, but we try not to use them because they're that, you know, there's they're not issues. They're yeah. not trained. Yeah. And we don't know what they're saying really mm. back to their relative. So we, we always try and use interpreters. Like on any list, there might be at least half of them needing interpreters. Yeah. And we do try and do that. Yeah. Because I think that's really important. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the, because there's been a lot of research done into the gaps in multicultural mm. um, communities and health, you know, yeah. and how to bridge that gap. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think education, I mm. think having people from the, the cultural groups, you know, being like peers or mentors, I think you, you guys do a great um, job of kind of bridging that gap. I think we need to probably go to people more than getting them to come to us at times. Mm. I think we really have to go into people's yeah. worlds, you know, so um, that's probably a model that might work better yeah. and not expect people always to go to the hospital, although there is always going to be a cohort of people that need to come yeah. to a hospital, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, it's that middle, middle yeah. ground, isn't it, where they it don't is. quite need the hospital, but... They're mm. not accessing the GP. Yeah, like I mean, that. a shared model might work where they yeah. have like only one year. Or so once a year they come to the hospital and in between they could go to their GP mm. or to hepatitis. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think, I, you know, that may work, but mm. it's just a matter of finding the uh, happy medium, really. I think our model, we go to the people and mm. we have outreach testing clinics and mm. vaccination in the community. Yeah. And that works. Yes. Because mm. the people that we see don't engage generally yeah and especially men yes <laughs> so men in health is a particular yeah. issue and men in culturally sensitive you know the different ethnic groups yeah. is definitely yeah. as well yeah. yeah yeah do you have trouble getting men to the clinic um i think sometimes they are a little bit reticent about taking medications as well i kind of imagine taking a tablet for yeah. for what we have to say to them is virtually it's lifelong but we're hoping to find something we're doing drug trials at the moment where we may be able to get rid of the virus but we're not at that oh. point in time oh wow yeah, yeah. right and are you actually got a? You're doing blind trials? Yeah, well, they're randomised to have yeah. you know kind of the conventional treatment and then the more experimental right. arms. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing one of those at the moment. So. Right. How's that going? We're just looking to recruiting. Just oh, right. starting. Yeah, we're beginning. right at the yeah. beginning phase. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, because it's, good. it's you know long overdue to get some sort it of is. cure for Hep B. Yeah, know. and Hep B is, is a little bit more complex yeah. than Hepatitis C. Yeah. Um, it's just harder to actually eradicate the virus in the cells. Mm. So yeah, that's mm. fantastic. Mm. Well, it sounds like you're doing a terrific job. <laughs> we try. <laughs> yeah. So with um, is there if people need to, they get referred by their GP to see. That's that right. How they, yes. They, can they self-refer? No, they have to go through their GP, yeah. and then the GP sends a, like a referral letter and blood tests, mm -hmm. and then we review that and we yeah. like grade it as to how soon they need to how be seen. It is. Yeah, because yeah. often the GP will send someone who doesn't necessarily need um, medication, might just need an initial 
initial assessment and then monitoring, as mm. you say, or um, scans of their liver, but don't need to go on any any medication. Right. If they yeah. do need medication more quickly, obviously we bring them in sooner. So that would be that. A, from a blood test you'd be able to tell That's right. That? Yeah. Mm. Okay, and then you would bring them in sooner. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and so I see, so you grade. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So some people might only need to see you once a year mm-hmm. and others might need regular that, or, Yeah, mm. or we might see them, someone within a couple of months and another person can wait a little bit yeah. longer because yeah. their, their liver function might be yeah. more normal and, you know, the viral load lower. Yeah, mm. and I think we have to address this because it's yeah. a, co- a comment that I get all the time. Mm. Um, is that you have to wait a long time yeah. to get in. Yeah. But I don't think people understand the grading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, or is, you know, because they say, oh, I've been referred, but I haven't seen anyone for seven months. Yeah. Like, I haven't done anything. And, yeah. you know, people are, don't understand the, the delay. Mm-hmm. So how can we, you know, talk We don't that? have that much of a um, waiting list, but if they, I think you can reassure them that if they need to be seen sooner, we certainly will bring them in sooner. It's like if they don't need to be seen as quickly, we just have to process our waiting list. Right. So that's we, based on the blood test. Yes, it is. The blood Not test the and the clinical information. Yeah. Anxiety or anything like that. That's right. I do yeah. appreciate that people do have a lot of that. Yeah. And I do think that they do worry and I, I know that. It's not a perfect system, mm. but that's what we've got at the moment. Um, our waiting lists have cut back a little bit, yeah. you know, because we're getting less referrals for hepatitis C because yeah. more of that's being treated in the community. But there's still saying all that, the hepatitis B referrals have increased oh. because of Im- immigration. Right. So yeah. um, we're, it's kind of a counterbalance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I guess just going to the disease, how does someone with hepatitis B, how is their life compromised as a result yeah. of having the disease? I think a lot of the time, like you've correctly said, they don't have any signs and symptoms. And I think that's one of the challenges that we face as health professionals is that because they feel well, they think that nothing's going on in their body. But in fact, you can be, have very elevated liver function mm. and actually have, you know, starting to get fibrosing and scarring in your liver mm. and not even being aware of it. Mm. And then sometimes we might only get people when they've actually reached that stage of being cirrhotic, yes. where the liver is very scarred up and starting to fail a little bit. So and at that, that point, there's no return. Well, there, mm. with, well, the medications, when you get cirrhosis, yeah, it doesn't, it's not usually reversible. We can take some of the, I guess, the inflammation out by settling the liver function, but it, the stages up to leading up to cirrhosis that you can get some regression of liver damage mm-hmm. in the setting of antivirals and remodeling of the liver. Yeah. So um, that that's a good and sound reason to go on medication. Mm. And I often tell people that, like, you, you really will be helping your liver by doing this. Yeah. You know, and, and really standing yourself in good stead for the future. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, we really do have to give fairly good sound reasons. You know, it is a big undertaking for people oh, yeah. to go on. Yeah. yeah. Any mm. medication, isn't it? That's lifelong. right. Yeah. Lifelong. Yeah. yeah. It's a commitment that you have to deal with. Yeah. And that yeah. it's not just the taking the medications, it's having regular blood mm. tests, clinic reviews, mm. ultrasounds mm. of your liver. And every time you 
go for a visit or have a blood mm. test, you the anxiety because it's elevated mm. at that point because you have you're to deal sure with it again. Yeah, you get, I think you so. know, it's you a get, reminder. Yeah, it's a reminder. Whichever disease you're dealing That's with, right. it's a reminder mm. yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, and it can be stressful. Yeah, you yeah. Know. and even mm. the scans, I'm aware that you know, I try not to use the word liver cancer. We're looking for liver cancer. I just say we're having a look at your liver every six months, see if there's any lumps and bumps or things. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, ha something that we need to further image. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't use the word liver cancer because I think it's a, yes. a too much because I think it's a constant reminder, you know, and people yeah. do find it stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they just think, oh, when's it going to happen? Mm, you know, I think so. Yeah. It's like an inevitable end, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. like we try, even though it is a reasonably, it does happen, I think um, we, we kind of like have a, we'll deal with that when we find it. Mm. I don't always bring it up as an ever-present, um, yeah. you know, scenario. Yeah. And it is a reality. It but, is a reality. But not yeah. always. Yeah, yeah, when I frame the illness, yeah. I don't, that's not the f one of the yeah. first things I talk about. Mm. Yeah. So do you have many people that d do progress to liver cancer or is it, um, if once you get in early, you can manage it better? I think the more people we put on antivirals, the better, because yeah. we do like um, reduce the risk of liver cancer. Yeah. Um, Hepatitis B is what we call oncogenic virus, which means it can cause cancer even in the absence of cirrhosis, as opposed yeah. to hepatitis C, where you mostly find cancers with cirrhosis. So, it skips it, doesn't it? Yes, it yeah. does. So yeah. um, the inflammation does, you know, drive the yeah. HCC formation. And then if you have other coexisting, um, you know, like hits on the liver, like alcohol or perhaps diabetes or, you know, fat, um, then they, they all can, um, you know, lead to the formation of HCC, yeah. which is hepatocellular carcinoma or liver cancer. Yeah. But there is lots of treatments. It's, it is manageable mm. when it's... Um, you can like cut a, it out too. You can. It's like in that's, situ. Yeah. It's just sitting there. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, um, we, you know, the, it, is, it is manageable. Yeah. And that's why days. we do scan regularly. Mm. So we can find these lesions when they're smaller and deal with them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yes. The earlier... I'm that's a big right. advocate for early detection uh, yeah, in that's all, right. all diseases. Yeah, you in know. any cancer, the you, earlier you find it, usually the better. Mm, yeah, you have a much better outcome. That's right. Mm, mm. This feels like there's a lot to fear with, um, I guess, the progression of the disease. Mm. And I'm thinking maybe people aren't coming because even if they've got symptoms and they're thinking this mm. is what it might be, they fear what the end is going to be. So I guess yeah, my yeah. question would be, what are Actually, even before that, when we were talking about stigma, mm. I was just wondering what is the main way that hepatitis B is transmitted that might be a huge cause for stigma? Yeah, it's, sexual, it's sexually transmitted as well as um, blood-borne, you know, intravenous drug use. Okay, but so. most people who I look after in clinic have had it from birth mm. and they've got it through the birth process. Mm -hmm. So that would be 90% of, you know, people that are in the clinic. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they've had it for They've had a it long for a long time. time. Okay. Yeah. I think there's always stigma with a virus and I think and especially a bloodborne virus mm. um, I think some people might think it's aligned with drug use or you know so there is that kind of um, stigma because it's chronic and it's there all the time that's always difficult for people to mm. um, kind of manage in their own minds as well because yeah. they often say to me will I ever get rid of this virus yeah. you know and I do have to say at this point in time you know, there is a, a chance you can get rid of it. Mm. When you go on treatment, one in 20 people clear the, the virus. 
but it's it is rare. Yeah, to, this is without treatment. Uh, this is with treatment. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. But if yeah. someone contracts it in adulthood and they hadn't been vaccinated, like a uh, there's 90% chance they will clear the virus. Mm. So it's the inverse mm. of you know the so 90% of infants mm. become chronically infected. Mm. It's the other way around in adulthood. Yeah, well, I guess we're very lucky in Australia yeah. because. Um, once the child is born, they get vaccinated That's within right. 12 hours yeah. Yeah. so that that prevents the uh, mm. transmission, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know, and, and that, then they have three more shots. That's exactly right. Yeah. We cover all that. Yeah. Um, because in develop, developing countries, they don't have the vaccination like protocols and they do, and at birth. It, at yeah. birth, and the infants mm. don't get other medications yeah. that they get, like the immunoglobulins. It is very easy. Mm. you know, that you can mm. see that the virus does mm. stay. Yeah. There's much more education that needs to happen, mm. Um, mm. especially for us when we come mm. into Australia, getting to learn um, about how we can protect ourselves, protect our mm. families from things that probably didn't affect us back home. That's mm. so true. Mm. And I think the irony is that people are scared to get information because they think, oh, maybe I'll find something that I won't want to find. Yeah. But the, getting the information, and it's almost a reassurance at times. Like, you know, if they come along to the clinic and everything is great and they, you know, they only just really have to come back once a year, their liver's yeah. in. You know, we, do a, we often do a fibre scan, which is a scan of the liver using sound waves, mm -hmm. and we can say to them, your liver's in really good... Um, you, you know, really good nick, you, you know, there's no damage. And like for some people having a virus for 30 years and having no damage, I mean, I think that's really remarkable. Mm, yeah. mm. Um, so I can, you know, I often say that to them. I say, you're obviously looking after yourself. Everything is working fine. Mm. And, you know, if we just monitor you, we're going to prevent this. We can, you know, prevent you, you know, your liver becoming damaged, mm. we're looking out for cancer, we're, you know, like, so we don't focus, as I said, I don't focus on the cancer, mm. but I, I do think it's good as to say, you know, we are going to care for you, yeah. look after you, and this will actually help to mitigate yeah. some of the problems or alleviate some of the potential mm. problems. Yeah. So I think education is always the antidote, yeah. you know, to breaking down stigmas. I know. I, ha I worked with a family. Yeah. The grandparents uh, had hepatitis B, both mm -hmm. of them, and the uh, children didn't Yeah. for some reason, mm. and then the grandchildren didn't. Okay. But the grandparents were brought over here yeah. and mm -hmm. were looking after the grandkids. Oh, I see but what they you had, mean. But the parents made them eat separately yeah. and on separate plates and mm. off and at another mm. table because they didn't mm. want to share the virus at dinner time because they thought it was oh. in the food and the cups. And so it's I was really brought sad. in to, you know, talk about it. Mm. And it was really hard to convince the parents yeah. that it's not like that yeah. because it's a belief pattern that's been there from their country for many, many years. Yeah. But that education was crucial, mm. you know, because they had to know how... They didn't understand how it was mm. spread. They got it all mixed up. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do a lot of education yeah. in that way. And because food is so significant in cultures and as a cultural yeah. kind of like a, a kind of way of, you know, uniting people, I often, I'm always telling them you can share, you know, you can share your meals, you can hug, you can kiss, yeah. you know, like uh, the only Except thing. the coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really <laughs> changed things. Yeah. 
Because I'm trying to break down those barriers mm. and people feel so stigmatised, mm. you know. So, And I, I tell them these are the areas that you need to focus on. Don't share toothbrushes, razors, um, you know, other kind of things in the bathroom or hair clippers, but everything else is yeah, absolutely fine. Because of fine. the blood. Yeah, yeah you won't yeah. pass it on, you know, mm. through doing these things. And please, in, you know, enjoy interacting with your family, you know. Mm. It's, it, it's so important that we try and get those messages across. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Wow, thank you so much, Joe, for talking to us, enlightening us on these issues that I think we're well aware of, but we always like to get a, a mm. perspective, and especially with how close you work with the, the community. Um, it's good to hear from you as well. We love talking to you. And Amanda, the last words? Oh, well, I'd just like to say thank you again, and, and it's great to meet you personally and uh, put a face to, you know, like a phone call and mm. a fax machine and all that sort of thing. So it's been fantastic to get to know you. So thank you very much. And thanks for asking me because it's really a great pleasure for me to be able to, you know, share part of my journey. And I just want to reassure people that we really are there to help them. Mm. We all genuinely love looking after people, um, you know, with hepatitis B. It's an absolute joy. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. That's nice to hear. Thank you so much, guys. We will be back next week with some more good stuff.